Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hey everybody, I'm Ray Otis and this is Plundergrounds. Just gonna do a quick podcast today to get back into the swing now that I have resumed my normal life post Gary Con. And I think we'll start it off with a call-in from the ever-present, indefatigable Spike Pit. Hey, Ray, man. Thanks for doing them GaryCon podcasts, man. Um, call me sentimental, but I found them kind of quite touching. Which, uh, I don't know if that's the right word. You know, so it sort of moved me, man. And your little handshake at the end, even though no one could see it. I could, uh, I could see it in my mind's eye. And, um, yeah, I lived it vicariously for you guys. And this Dungeon World old school fusion, Ray, come on. This is, this is where it's at. Close the ends of the horseshoe. I think that's something I'm looking for. It's something I think um, Jason Hobbs and a lot of the other guys, something they're questing for. Um... I think you could be the man, Ray, to crack this one. Anyway, cheers again, and um, hope this finds you well. Bye, mate. Hey, thanks so much, Colin. Thanks for the vote of confidence, and um, we'll see, man. We'll see. I've got all kinds of ideas floating around in my head. Gary Khan is barely over. In fact, for me, I'm still putting everything back together. I'm still reassembling myself and my life. Um we had a bit of a mishap on Monday with our flight, got canceled, had to scramble to find another one, uh, got home just fine, uh, kind of a choppy ride. There were a lot of winds going around the U.S. but and elsewhere, too, I guess, just from looking at the news. But we made it fine, uh, but that kind of shot Monday, and then Tuesday went to work, and it was meeting, 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 and then one long meeting. Um, then I got home, and uh, same thing on uh, getting home Monday night. My wife has planned a big floors project in our house we're finally getting rid of uh, all the old carpet and putting down some hardwood and uh, that means all kinds of other things are happening uh, and one of them is just kind of a general clean out so I, I went through our bookshelves and pulled off all the books that need to go like you know, we don't care about anymore um, and then and then well anyway so there's so she had projects for me both nights and so the day went just you know, like that, like Monday, Tuesday, gone. Um, and here I am Wednesday morning, uh, sitting in the parking lot with my coffee, having my quiet time in the morning. Uh, I, I try to stop on the way into work and just sit for a half hour and kind of get my head together for the day or podcast or whatever. And all the pieces are kind of coming back together. Funny enough, I just got a text from Angus. The rooms for next year opened up and he jumped on them and got us another villa um, the villas are little houses that are units, kind of more like condos, I guess, that are uh, maybe two to three minutes walk from the actual convention center where you game. I enjoyed that this year. I really did like the walk, actually. It made me get some fresh air every morning and evening and uh, made me kind of plan my con a little better. Once I got away from the con, um, I wasn't, you know, it was just cold enough. I wasn't tempted to pop back down to the lounge and, uh, start drinking and then lose track of time and end up a wreck for the next day. Uh, 
so it was it was a way to sensibly do the con and it actually price wise ended up being as cheap or cheaper than a room by the time you split it between you know we had three guys in a two bedroom but uh there's a huge living room kitchen area um and a pull out couch there so uh, Paul slept on that and then uh there uh were two bathrooms and uh even a little room with a washer dryer combo in it so just super handy. We stopped and got groceries on the way in uh, so that we weren't constant eat, constantly eating con food or at the restaurants. That saved us some money. It also uh, made us eat a little bit healthier. Just all in all, a good experience. So I'm excited that he got us another villa for next year. And uh, But it just seems so odd. I said, I said, great, we got a room. Now it's time to start prepping for Gary Con. We've only got, uh, you know, 300 and some odd days, right? <laughs> to get all our work done. <laughs> but I am. I feel like in my mind, I'm already looking ahead to next year uh, to the Gary Con and, and thinking about... I have no regrets from this year, but thinking about what I want to do next year because I went with an agenda this year. I sort of filled out that agenda. We were looking for experiences. Um, specifically, we were looking for some as true as possible old school experiences. And so that Blackmore game and the game at Gary's house uh, playing original edition were both great insights for us. Not things I would repeat, I don't think. I mean, I'd be happy to repeat them, but that's not going to be my agenda for next year. So I'm going to think about, you know, what do I want to accomplish with that? Oh, you know, not now, of course. I'll give myself... Well, maybe maybe now is the right time to think about it. Maybe I'll uh, make some notes for myself and then put it away, you know, and, and stop thinking about it for the next nine, ten months until it's time to really get serious about it again. Uh... But yeah, I'm still putting the pieces back together. I've got a couple thoughts running around in my head today. One of them has to do with all these different prep methods I've been hearing about. Uh, Sly Flourish has been mentioned a lot on both Che Webster's Roleplay Rescue and Colin Green's Spike Pit podcast. So I want to look into that. The Return of the Lazy GM is the book I think they're working from. Uh, I think it was RC on the Audio Dungeon Discord that brought up one called Sense, C-E-N-T-S, and each of those letters stood for something, uh, like N was a NPC, I think, and a T was a trap or a trick. I don't know, I'll have to, I'll have to go look that one up again. Um, I've been thinking of Jason Cordova's 321 method. I'm thinking of uh, um, the one I saw Runehammer do, which had, uh, I think, a locale timer, threat, and treat, I think were his four things that he uses. I don't know. So I'm going to review those and do a podcast on those different methods, just kind of quickly uh, talk about those different methods and how they get used. So if you have a favorite quick generation method for um, on the fly or or, uh, last minute prep, that helps you think about gaming. Uh, let me know what that is so that I can I can look at that one too, and I'll try to do as comprehensive as possible uh, a review of you know seven, eight, nine, ten of those different quick prep methods, and then uh, and then talk about how that can be used because I don't think they're just for last minute prep. I think they can also be used to kind of test things that you've prepped ahead of time to see if you have the right sorts of elements there. And we can talk about each one of those elements. At any rate, there's there's a lot of meat there and I want to kind of tackle it appropriately, so I'm not going to talk about it today specifically. In the meantime, I was listening to the Thought Eater podcast and Froth Soft brought up a couple points about 
encounter tables that really struck a note with me. He mentioned two books that had ridiculously bad encounter tables. The primary complaint being that they are too short, which means they don't have enough variance, um, and yet they're attached to adventures that ask you to use them a lot. And I really feel that. I think that is a major misstep and, and just poor writing on the part of somebody doing a module. I'll give you an, an example from my own experience. Uh, I started running Horde of the Dragon Queen, 5th edition, uh, for my kids a while back, right before my son went to college. He wanted to kick off something. We haven't really done anything with it since because then they all went off to college. It was all boys that were heading into their you know, various... Uh, one went to UCSD, one went to SDSU, one went to um, UC Davis, way up north. So it, they're all in different places. Um, we could game online, but you know, they're, I don't want to bug them and they don't they haven't brought it up because they're all rediscovering themselves off of college and I I think that's awesome. Um I love that period of my life when I got to basically reinvent myself in a new context and so uh but but I'm getting away from the point. The point was that first encounter in Horde of the Dragon Queen is essentially one long night of fighting. There's a town under siege and uh there's many encounters, there's many different little fights in there planned into the into the module that you can run into. Uh, and yet, the encounter table consists of about five different monsters. There's kobolds. Uh, there are these Komodo dragon-like things that they have in tow or they hunt with. There are winged kobolds. They have a name, but I forget what they're called. Uh, and there are two different types of dragon cultists, priests and warriors. But frankly, they don't have a lot of difference between them. Uh, just slightly different hit points, you know, slightly different armor class. Um, one has a spell like ability, the other's better at fighting, but you know, it just wasn't enough. It wasn't varied enough. It was, and there was a random encounter table. So there were, there were planned encounters and they featured those monsters. And then there was a random encounter table of those monsters. So you could easily have five, six, seven fights in that night span against those same creatures until the sort of final encounter where it does get varied. And it that's boring. I mean, it really is. You, you can only fight against the same thing so many times. I tried to vary it up, um, especially the most interesting thing in there was the winged kobolds because they could really harass without um, getting into range unless the party was really well equipped with missile weapons. And I often find that parties overlook missile weapons. Uh, and so w- winged especially when they get started winged uh, adversaries are always a good way to remind them that like hey you got to be able to do something at range i don't care if you're the tank um there are sometimes where you're just not going to be able to reach a uh, a victim and you need a potential victim and you need a way to hit it uh so i'd had the kobolds pulling roof tiles off of off of places and then dropping them on the players <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, when do they land? And I'm like, they don't land. Why would they land? Like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, you know, come down and and let you beat on them. They've got wings. That's why <laughs> they're kobolds. They're smarter than that. So um, yeah, but it is. It was really weak. I mean, I felt like that was really weak. Uh, if you're gonna run that adventure, there's a couple ways I would handle it. One, um, you would you could expand that table, of course, put in some interesting NPCs, uh, maybe NPCs that have thrown in with the bad guys, maybe NPCs that um, are in trouble. You could um, add a few other types of monsters in there that would make it interesting. Uh, maybe maybe non sentient monsters because most of those are are um, minions of the dragon horde. Uh, 
And then, frankly, I would cut down the number of encounters. I would plan uh, for three or four of the most, you know, like uh, locale in, uh, specific encounters to make them interesting. There's one in a mill that I think could be interesting, or what it was interesting for us. Um, there's there's a couple different ones, right? That I think would be interesting. I'd pick those, and then I would shorthand everything in between to still make it feel like a long night of fighting, but. Uh, you know, maybe just say like you had a lot of trouble getting from, you know, point A to point B and describe those points and, and the kind of journey and um, ask them a question about how they got through a particular challenge. Like, how did you get through the barricade that the kobolds had set up uh, where they overturned a wagon and set it on fire and uh, kind of take their answer and maybe take a D6 hit point off of uh, every one of them or something just to kind of, you know, fast forward the story a little because those parts aren't interesting. One fight after another is not interesting. It's got to be, it's got to have some variation and some tooth to it. And I am particularly uh, annoyed also, just like Frothsoft, by encounter tables that are afterthoughts that are just kind of thrown in there. And it makes me wonder, the people playtesting these, did they not use the encounter tables? Uh, or are they particularly boring people? What I mean, how did they not notice that that these encounter tables are weak, <laughs> weak sauce. Uh, um, or did they just not play test it? I mean, I don't know. They say they do, but do they really? Sometimes these things are made on such a tight time crunch that I don't really trust that they've seen a lot of play at the table. Or um, maybe they've seen a lot of play at the table, but then in the process of writing them up for a book, they throw in some stuff at the last minute that are kind of afterthoughts. Um, and fail to um, translate the coolness that happened at the table into the book or pad it with things that are just noise. Uh, either way, look out for weak encounter tables, right? Um, yeah. Encounter tables. They're part of a, they're part of a crunchy old school breakfast, right? They, they gotta have, you gotta have good encounter tables. They've gotta be thoughtful and meaningful. Um, they've gotta make sense. They have to have variation, uh, and I don't know that it's even enough just to say uh, 2d6 kobolds or, um, you know, d4 merfolk or whatever on the table. It, it should be more like uh, d4 merfolk defending an old shipwreck or 2d6 kobolds uh, behind a, a, you know, a wagon on fire um, or uh, um, d4 bandits plus a leader who are waiting to see which side wins so they can pick the bones of the other. You know, like, throw a little bit of context or a little bit of an environment into there that would make it interesting and make your table longer, and that will make the encounters more meaningful. I don't know that it's ever even interesting to hit the same result twice. So in my encounter tables, um, the when I use encounter tables, I will scratch off a result when I roll it, and then next time I roll, I'll just round up or down to, or, you know, um, just m migrate up or down from the result if I roll the same one twice. Uh, or better yet, if you have time in between, you can you can refill that slot with something different, right? Uh, I saw a table recently where it was a, a grid. It was a spreadsheet, essentially. So you had your typical encounter table where you've got one column of numbers uh, to tell you, you know, if you rolled this, look to the right, you know, and the second column to tell you what happens when you roll that number. Um, and then it had a second and third 
you know, text column, I guess a third and fourth column beyond that, that basically said, if you've rolled this before, move one column to the right uh, and you get a different result. And often they were related. So they were kind of like the first time you rolled a five, you might find some spore, you know, a big pile of dragon poop. Uh, And then uh, the second time you rolled that, you might find a group of villagers that have been savaged by a dragon and then the third time you roll it you might find the dragon or something um they it was really interesting how the table was built uh and that's a that's you know somebody who's really thought about how an encounter table could play out uh in a in a setting that would be really interesting so i don't have a lot more to say about that i just thought it was a good point to bring up enjoying the frost soft podcast i especially love his hump day blogorama and uh yeah, encounter tables. Let's do better. I guess that's a wrap. The sun has now come up and is shining into the side of my window here. My coffee's almost gone. That means it's time to drive the last 30 seconds here over to work and get busy. Ah, the con is over. I'm Ray Otis signing off. This has been another Plundergrounds. The opening theme was by is by Logan Howard of the excellent Swordbreaker Zine and Podcast. You can find links to all of my various projects and websites at www.rayotus.com. That's R-A-Y-O-T-U-S. And until next time, look out for Rust Monsters. Oh, hey, I was just about to publish this, and I realized that this is episode 49. That means next time I will hit the half-century mark in podcasts, the big 50. That's awesome. Uh, I just got started in September, so I'm excited about that. That means I'll have to plan something extra special. I know I have a lot of call-ins to get to, so I will definitely get those in at some point. Um, But, yeah, 50. What am I going to do for 50? Ideas welcome.